Greetings, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us again online and making us part of your day. You know, when I was a young teenager, I became a Christian at the age of 14, and shortly after becoming a Christian, we were on some youth trip. Don't even know exactly where we were going, but we're on a church bus, and um, I was sitting there with a with a new friend who had been raised in the church, and this was my like first go-around here with the church, and I don't even know how we got on this this discussion, but everything was new to me. The Bible was new to me. Um, Christianity was new to me. Going on church trips was new to me. And so in the newness of this, somehow this friend of mine, we got on this discussion about how in different churches, different places, um, that there are varying um, understandings of the nature of God and how God operates and what it means to be a Christian. And I didn't know that there were all these different beliefs. I thought basically everybody agreed and everybody thought the same thing. And um, this was the first, you know, experience that I had with a church. So I just assumed that um, every pastor said what my pastor said and and everybody believed what I was being taught was true. We had a, a man, an older man coming into our home at that point and doing a basic Bible study with us. And I just assumed that, you know, everybody believed that about God and that that was God and that was Jesus and there was this part of God, this Holy Spirit that, and as we were learning this, um, I didn't know that there were so many different understandings about God. But as I begin to um, move along in my Christian experience, my, my pastors began to warn me about listening to certain people on certain topics and started teaching me how to discern um, truth from error. And as I moved along in, in my Christian relationship with God, I began to understand that um, humanity does something um, pretty interesting, and I think we might do it um, subconsciously in some ways, is that we tend to take the best version of a human, or maybe even the best version of ourselves, and we begin to project that onto God. Um, have you ever used the phrase or heard the phrase, well, no good father whatever, and then we describe God in some way? Or um, if we're reading the scriptures and we come up against something that God does that we are shocked by, or maybe that we think that God shouldn't be that way, we tend to try to rationalize our way around it and kind of think, well, maybe the Bible doesn't really mean that. Maybe God really didn't do that. Maybe somebody just wrote it wrong or, or taught it wrong or said wrong. And we've got this image in our minds of like this perfect human or, or what we think would be the perfect human, the perfect version of ourselves. And we translate that and we try to define God that way. And when we do that, what happens is we, we end up living a life of kind of wandering and a life of um, weakness in our spiritual lives. And, and we're not really connected to God as he truly is. We're just kind of going through the motions, trying to relate to a being that really doesn't exist. And so church just becomes a drag and meaningless. Um, reading the Bible seems to be confusing and pointless. Prayer, will we just throw that out the window? Because as soon as um, God doesn't behave like we think he should, we start to believe all kinds of things that prayer doesn't work or somehow we're bad or something like that. But this this thing that humanity does with taking the, the best version of itself and projecting that 
onto God is something that we do in a lot of areas of our lives. Maybe you've done that to your spouse that prior to your marriage, you had this image, this, this vision, this idea of an ideal um, spouse. And, and then when you got married, you actually married a human being. You married somebody um, who was a person and that had um, all the flaws of a person and all of the flaws of, of a human. And, and maybe you were a bit disenchanted by that and reality set in and as we say the honeymoon ended and you began to know the real person and then as you began to know the real person you you noticed that who they really were was much more spectacular than this image that you thought you had in your mind and you started to see the beauty of the person and the beauty of their heart and of their mind and then as you went through life together and you went through various challenges together, those challenges became glue and that love became solid based upon the reality of two people coming together in life and in love. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about um, an idea that, that I believe is, is helpful for us as we tend to try to, as we attempt to live out our relationship with God. It is this, um, that believing in God, in a God, small g, in a God that does not exist, leaves us weak and wandering. God addressed his people with a question, as God often does, and he did so through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 of Isaiah, where we learn that people define God according to their own imagination. Notice this question that God puts towards the people of Israel through Isaiah the prophet. He says in verse 18, To whom will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Now notice very carefully what happened there. The gods that they created, these idols that they made, were based upon their own abilities. If they had wealth, they created a god that looked wealthy out of precious materials. If, if they weren't wealthy, if they were poor, well, they, they just went out and got a old chunk of wood <laughs> that wouldn't, wouldn't rot. You see how, based upon their own position in life, they created a god. And so... Um, we tend to do that. And God is talking in the negative here. He's saying, well, who can you compare me to? It's in the negative as though, well, no one. Well, you can't compare God to these inanimate objects, but humans do that. We love to create gods out of inanimate objects, things that can't help us. We tend to put in very important places in our lives, material things. Now I know you're not going out into the driveway or your garage and you're not bowing down to your car and saying, oh, car, please uh, bless me with a wonderful ride to work today, and please don't break down on me, and uh, don't let me down. I know you're not doing that, but I do think, I do think that when you get stuck in traffic and your car starts to overheat, I do think you bang on the steering wheel and you say, you stupid piece of junk, what are you doing, why is this happening? You start talking to your car when it breaks down, I, I know, I see you sitting in traffic. Wait a minute, you see me too. But anyway... Well, we tend to talk to them, and that's, I digress, and you probably now are going to hit the stop button, but let's go on, because in the text we also see something that people do is that we create God out of human leaders. Notice, he goes on, verse 21, 
He says, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits on the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. And then he asks, who brings princes to nothing? He does. <laughs> and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. Then he, God, blows, blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then? Will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. In other words, he says worldly leaders are not gods. Worldly leaders are not to be blindly followed. Worldly leaders are not to be set up as people that um, can make no mistakes or do no wrong. They're not to be placed on those pedestals, but they are, they are human beings. And so inanimate objects or human beings... Neither one of them can be put in the position of ruling and put in the position of worship in our own hearts. But humanity tends to do that. We tend to set people up on pedestals that they do not um, deserve to be on. We put them up so high that when accusation comes, and true accusation comes, that we don't want to believe it. We don't want to believe that our best of our best Christian leaders fall and, and do um, atrocious things. And we just we don't want to believe that. But the reality is, humans do. And inanimate objects and humans and the best of the best people cannot be used to define or set some sort of parameters for what God should be like. We cannot believe in a God based upon our the best versions of ourselves. And so when we look at them, the reason becomes is because God is the one that's created them. God created all the material things in the world. God created all of humanity. God has placed people in positions of authority and power. But also, if you remember in the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke, and during the temptation of Jesus, we learn this, that Satan also has the ability to put people in power. Jesus tempted Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, Satan tempted Jesus with that. He said, if you would worship me, I will give you power and authority for it. It has been given to me to give to whoever I want. And so there's some big questions to be asked when we start thinking about who we place as authorities in our life and who we look to. Because when we think about humanity, the best of the best of us, the, the seemingly best of the best of us, fall way short of God. And God is the only one that's created all things and all people. So when we start to look at this notion that hum, human beings self-project, the best, their best desires, and try to create a God based upon those, we learn that that simply leads to a life of wandering and weaknesses. And so what, what then do we do with this? If, if, how are we to know if we're projecting something on God or if we're believing something about, about God that he has really tried to communicate to us? I believe that we look to Jesus. We look to him because as you see that God is revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all throughout the scriptures, starting in Genesis, moving all the way through the Old Testament and into the New Testament through the book of Revelation. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
acting in concert with one another. And through those actions and through the teachings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we learn about the nature and the being of God. And that has to shape our understanding and our interaction of God. Notice in the book of John chapter 14, Philip comes to Jesus and Philip asks this question or makes this statement. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. In other words, show us the Father. Like, bring him down here, you know? And Jesus says to him this, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and he is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me on the account of the works themselves. So you'll notice Jesus is saying that if you see me, if you experience me, you are experiencing God. And so what we have to do is we have to abandon the God that we, we create based upon our own best self-projections. We need to abandon the God that we want to exist and worship the God that does exist as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And we know that as you read the first parts of the gospel records all the way up to the crucifixion, you know that Jesus was doing things and saying things that made people so angry, so angry that they they turned him over to the Romans to be crucified and they, they cried out for his crucifixion because they saw him as not fitting their own projection of what they thought the Messiah should be. And they did not see him as who he was, as God in the flesh, even though Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies and all of the promises that were plainly given in the Old Testament to the people of the first century. They had all those and had been taught them for generations. Yet when Jesus came, what they had is they had their own self-projection of they, who they thought the Messiah would be, who they thought God was, and they took the very teachings of God but they filtered them and read them through their own desires and their own self-projections. And then when it came time to realize that Jesus had been there, what they did is they killed him, got rid of him, and they were left to their wandering and to their weakness. And so we must abandon the God that we tried to define and tried to create. And we have to accept the God that is revealed to us through the person of Jesus. Notice a couple passages of scripture in closing, one of them from the prophet Zechariah in chapter 10, um, verse 2 of his, of his book. He says, For the household gods utter nonsense. Those ones back in Isaiah that they made out of wood. Okay. And diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty conclusions. Those people that you and I set up as, as, as heroes or as somehow God-like more than human can't do anything wrong type of people. No. <laughs> See, therefore, the people wandered like sheep and they were afflicted for lack of a shepherd. 
You see, and when Jesus comes on the scene, what does he do? His heart breaks and he's filled with compassion because the people that he sees are like sheep without a shepherd. They're just wandering aimlessly, following each other over cliffs. And isn't it the case that we today, human beings, if we do not know who God is and we, we try to um, live out a faith in a God that really doesn't exist, if a good picture of our society today is just sheep following one another over cliffs, over moral cliffs, financial cliffs, relational cliffs, um, physical cliffs, and we just keep doing it over and over again. We just keep following the bad patterns of, of our parents and of our grandparents. And we seek out to be something that maybe we're never intended to be. And we seek out to follow a God that does not even exist because we have made him up and thus we are wandering. And in closing this, finally out of the same passage that we started with in Isaiah 40, looking at the last part of that, verses 28 through 31, he says this, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength and shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so if you today would like to exchange, if you would like to abandon the God that you've created that has left you weak and wandering, and you would love to accept the God that really does exist, that has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus, then I ask that you um, you can contact us online at theretreatchurch.com. But even better than that, way better than that, will be to contact a Christian that you know. You know Christians. You have them in your life. Probably you're watching this video today because somebody, um, one of your friends, has, has somehow talked you into it. Um, but contact that believer. Tell them that you're ready. Tell them that you're ready to exchange the God that you've created or and accept the God that is revealed in Jesus. And you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you make that choice, it'll be the best choice of your life. If you choose to let us know, that'd be wonderful. But the main thing is, is that you make that, that relationship a reality in your life. God bless you. We'll see you next time.